What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Flamethrowers and happy Black History Month. Amira here. I wanted to pick my interview with Wyoming Tyus for our Black History Month hot take this week. I interviewed her back in episode 53, which is actually our Biad's one year anniversary. Um, it was our first birthday, and it was really special to be able to interview Tyus, who looms so large in my research. But the reason why I'm re-upping it now, well, of course it's the Olympic year, but also I think her account and her story about the way she protested in the 1968 Olympics and her general experience um, maps on to discussions we've had about the IOC's recent ruling, recent interviews that I've done with Gwen Berry, and I could think of no better person that I would want to honor on Black History Month and also whose tale holds so many kind of keys and lessons for our contemporary moment. So here it is, my episode with Wyoming Tyus from episode 53. Check it out. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So I'm really excited because your memoir is coming out. It's called Tiger Bell. And I was wondering if you could let us know what can we expect from your memoir? What is it going to talk about? Well, it's pretty much my life a little bit, but mostly it talks about from childhood on. And a lot of it is dealing with being a Tiger Bell. And that's being on the Tennessee State, being at school there, on a track team there. And it tells all my great times and my struggles. I think that it is a book that children can have from young to old and that it talks about a lot of my struggles and talks about a lot of my non-struggles and just what it takes to live a good life, a happy life and and being strong, being a strong black woman, I like to think. And, and especially at the time I was trying to be that, that in the sixties, uh, doing in living in the South and in the Jim Crow era and just being very feeling good about who you are as a person. And I think as a woman, that's, that's the key part that we were not always encouraged to feel great about who we are. And uh, it didn't matter whether you were in sports or whatever you were in, you were not always that given that in kind of encouragement. And I would like to think my book shows that no matter how hard the struggle, you can win it. And I would like to say all the time, you never, you know, you, you always stay in the fight. Right. That's wonderful. I'm very excited to read it. It's been um, a long time coming. I think we should amplify the voices right, of of these tremendous athletes. So at the time that you started getting involved in sports, was it permissible for girls to be running track like you were? <laughs> did you come up uh, against obstacles? Well, you know, I did. It, <laughs> absolutely, you had to. And then you're talking about the 50s and the 60s, and uh, young women just were not encouraged to do that. I mean, if you play sports, okay, go out there and play. Don't sweat, so to speak. <laughs> you know, don't, don't, don't be good, actually. You know, it's, you know, 
the boys are taught, you know, you fall down, get up and you try it again. Young women, oh, you got it hurt. Well, you don't have to do that anymore. That was kind of what was going on when I was growing up. I was just, I feel like really blessed and happy to have parents like I did because my dad, even he was like, you can do whatever you want. Then he would say, baby, you can do whatever you want. All you have to do is try and do If that pleases you, if it makes you happy, then that's great. And he would tell my brothers, I had three older brothers, always, let her play. What are you not doing? What do you mean she can't play because she's a girl? We're not having any of that. Not only that, she is good. And that's the key. You want somebody good on your team. And not so much I can't play the boys. I could, but <laughs> but it was more that. You know, he, he he made that come home to my brothers that she's good. You want people that's good on your team. You that's what you want to do. And I and they and they got that message. And you're thinking in the fifties and the sixties that was not a message for every young person, especially men, and not for women at all. You know, to be good at what you want to do and be proud of it, and you know, go out there and be the best. They would say, go out there, do your best, but be the best was a different thing. Right. Well, ESPN, the magazine, just put out a list of the dominant. So they're doing dominant athletes, dominant teams. And I think that Tennessee State is one of the most dominant teams in college history or overall. And so you talk about being a Tiger Bell. And actually, a new documentary just came out, uh, Mr. Temple and the Tiger Bells. And I recommend everybody watch it. Uh, You're talking head in it. But what do you wish people would know and understand about Tennessee State University and and their uh, dominant track team? Well, I just think. For the Tiger Bells, they have been around for years. And being around, I mean, we're talking from early 50s and uh, putting over 40 people on an Olympic team, on, on different Olympic teams and bringing home 23 medals and 13 of them gold and something countries don't do. And here you have the small school. As when I was in school, I think it was maybe 1,200 students there. And we had produced, and that produces all these great women, black, uh, black women at that. <laughs> at that, and they, and nobody honors. I just one thing that really bothers me that Mr. Temple, who's Coach Temple, people call him, but I always call him Mr. Temple. That they never, he really never got his due. He never got his honors. You know, they, I mean, for a person to do as much as he had done. With women, with black women, and nobody says very much about it. I don't think there's ever a team. You know, when you talk about great coaches, I I don't ever hear anybody speaking on how great he was. I mean, you hear people talk about this coach was so good in at basketball. This coach was nobody's ever said how great he was. And not only did he do all put us on Olympic teams, he made sure all his girls graduated. I'd like to know how many people can say that. So uh, we're coming up on the 50th anniversary of the 1968 Olympic Games, which was your second Olympics. They were in Mexico City. And like I said, you won gold medals there. And a lot of people did. I have said this to you before. I think it's, you know, one of the best, if not the best uh, track teams we've ever fielded. Uh, just the, the power and, and, and on that team was remarkable. But it definitely was overshadowed, of course, by Tommy Smith and John Carlos' medal stand protest that had come after a proposed boycott of the Games. And 
one of the things that both Tommy Smith and Giancarlo as well as Dr. Harry Edwards have commented on is that their regret is not reaching out to the Black women that year and including them in the pre-planning of the proposed Olympic boycott. So I was wondering if you would talk a little bit about uh, what 68 meant to you and what you decided to ultimately do at the Games, which was including wearing Black shorts and dedicating your medals to Tommy uh, and John after their protest and after there was action taken against them. But I would love to be able to write Black women back into the story of the 1968 mm-hmm. moment. Well, I think they should be. I, You know, there were two things that happened. I, that I think one thing especially that bothers me most a lot is the fact that Matlin Manning Nims now that won the 800 meters. A black woman had never been done before. She won the gold medal. And it's 50 years later, and no one in America, I should say, uh, has won a gold medal. And that, and no one talks about that. That is an amazing feat. And it was really important because there was the idea that black women couldn't run distance. Exactly. Exactly. That was a big deal, precisely. It is. And she went out there and she did it. And then uh, for me to go and went back to back 100 meters, nobody's ever heard of that. Nobody ever thought about it. And I guess they didn't think, we let, we know they didn't think about it. They still don't think about it that I did that. That, and and I think if, if it was a male, figure that did that, we would still be talking about it. And I just think that it takes a lot for people to say, you know, when we, I think about about being included with the whole boycott, when they were talking about it, when it was happening at San Jose State, to me, how do you leave out a group of people? How do you, and uh, and then not only that, these are the people, the, the group of people you're going to leave out are the black women that and black women has always supported all the all the causes, and as they would say, always right there with their man. Not so much behind their man, but right there with them. Sometimes more in front of that, and that you know that we were just not even called upon to even make a statement or say what we thought, whether it was the same thing we would, they were thinking or not. But you know, and you know. It's not just the press also had a lot to do with that. You know, they they would call and just talk to Mr. Temple. What do your girls think about this? But it could have been handled another way. But also, I just felt that we should have been included. I think that uh, when you have a woman's point of view, <laughs> it is more inclusive. I feel that way. That when and when you, that if when, and especially with a project like that, then you need more. You need everybody included. You know, it's it's a you know what you were thinking. What were you on the right track? These things. That's things. The thing that need to happen needed to change, and we should have been right there with the change. And we were just that nobody wrote about it. Nobody said anything about it. I mean, you know, from us wearing black shorts for us dedicating it, and nobody. And even on the victory stand, there are p- pictures where we were given the black power salute, but nobody talks about that. And it's like, and people say, well, what did you do? Did you do anything? Gosh, 50 years and nobody know that, you know, these kinds of things happen and that, you know, the women would just, they were there. It was just that what they had to say, or if they were asked, it was never printed. Yeah. And I think that has a lot of lessons for today as we're watching this kind of 
uh, renaissance of athletic activism and we see WNBA players being particularly active and I think that there's a lot of lessons in that and, and remembering women are a athletes yes, too yeah, right. but have something to say yeah I, I think so and I think too the other part I'm really loving in this day and time you have so many women of color being a part of sports that we would never even dream of them being a part of it never was thought of or they would never allow us to be a part of and we have so many and it's just the fact that you know change had to start somewhere and to me change started in 68 it was moving on and it's just now women are getting more empowered and being well listened to a lot more and that's I think that's more, that's great. I think it's not just on the athletic field, it's everywhere. And that's what we need in order to make a change. And that, you know, all of the, you know, change is good. And the, and then Title IX came and that made a whole big difference. But it also made a big difference in black schools too, colleges and universities in that, that a lot of the, pro, you know, you were getting like with Mr. Temple's program could never happen and ever. Because, you know, nobody else was doing it when he was doing it. And then now all schools are equal. You know, they have women's sports and you have to be equal in that. And uh, so now all schools are great recruiting. You know, you can see that all the time. And uh, so students are going to say, well, I don't want to be in Tennessee. I prefer being in California (laughs) type thing. And um, so that's to me what has happened with that, what happened with the women's sports. Not that it's a bad thing. But it's definitely a legacy that we don't talk about as much. We have this idea about the cost of integration for black college football, for instance, Mm -hmm. that when they started integrating colleges, black college Gosh, football started declining. Mm-hmm. And we don't realize that for women's sports, mm-hmm. you have that same legacy happening after exactly. Title Nine, And for black programs, especially <laughs> these programs like Tennessee State and Tuskegee mm-hmm. that were vanguards and were the first to give scholarships and do all of these things, this was really the, the start of the decline of them mm-hmm. because of resources didn't racism and mm-hmm. all, all of that. this kind of stuff. And I think that's really important to talk about. I think so too. And I think it should be talked about a lot more because I don't think everybody get the gist of it. And I think what we're saying here is just a little, the touch of the iceberg, you know? And I think a lot of times people might hear this little snippet and go, wow, wow, they saying that? That's not... It is true, you know. It is true in the sense that you know, if you look at it, you you research it, it would tell you right then. You know, we all want progress. It's not that we're not wanting that and we're not seeing, but these you know, you think about. Well, I know people that are really in at Tennessee State. I mean, I know Mr. Temple would say, you know, I just can't. My program, I can't. I can't compete. You know, I can't give, you know, I can't give what these big schools are giving. I can't. And you don't want, you know, you people want to go to the schools and that's great. And they have the grades to go. It's not. And that's the other thing. <laughs> you you just can't want to go and go. But you have to have the grades to go and all of that. And, you know, when it was just Tuskegee and Tennessee State, you know, they had a monopoly on it. And things have changed. But in all that change, we're losing a lot of what what we call history, our right. history. Right. And I just have one last question. You talked about the importance of pay equality, and there's been a lot of conversations in recent years about pay equity in sports for women, and then also about amateurism within mm-hmm. college ranks. And, and um, we talked about your work aid scholarship, $10 a week. Um, and I was just a month. A month. Oh, yeah, that's right. $10 a month. And 
And I think that we're at a moment where a lot of labor issues have come to the forefront and women athletes aren't paid as much as men. Mm -hmm. Uh, College athletes, particularly black college athletes, are caught in this kind of exploitative system where Mm -hmm. schools are making billions of dollars off their their back. But a lot of times when people try to defend against this, they say, oh, but if we pay men athletes, the women's sports are going to disappear. And this week, my co-worker wrote a piece that said, well, Stop using Title IX as a shield and really just pay everybody. <laughs> and so I, would, I, I think that uh, I would love to hear your thoughts on issues of pay equality within women's sports. And if you thought, have we, have we made progress? What work is there to be done? Where are we about paying women athletes? <laughs> well, a long ways away. I know that. That's number one. I mean, I've always... One, I mean, I retired after 68, and then uh, about five years later, I decided to go back because they started a pro track tour, and I thought athletes should be paid because I know what a struggle it was for so many athletes to – I mean, I was okay because I was – I got three meals a day in college. I got all that stuff paid for. But people that were not in college, it was very difficult for, for them to find, uh, have a job, and especially for women, to have a job, to be able to work at a job and get the person that they're working for. Could I go to? I have to go to Europe for three weeks? And they said, well, why? You don't have a job when you get back. So I've always I've always felt that athletes should be paid. Why? I mean, why is it that because you run track or why is it because you want to be in the Olympic Games, you should not be paid? That means if you're in the Olympic Games, you're the best in the world. You should be paid for your talent. I've always felt that. And now that it's starting to come around. But when it started to come around, of course, women were are way, way, way on the back burner. And then like, we're never and it's like. When are we going to see equal pay when when it comes to that? I mean, I can think about athletes. I don't, I don't know how it is now, but I'm sure, in, like in track and field, I would hope that they get the same amount. But from the, what I hear, that doesn't happen. <laughs> and, and, and the same thing. I just think that why wouldn't you? You want you want the best. You want to pay. For, you pay the best basketball player. You pay the best baseball player why is it you can't pay the best woman and if they're showing you entertainment what you want you coming out to see i mean i can remember when uconn was winning all those games all the time and people started to say oh god they that team always win i don't even want to see basketball because they always win they never said that when the cowboys were winning all those team winning all those championships i've never i want to see more of the cowboys i want the cowboys to be the one and it's like well, what's the, I don't understand the difference. And I think people need to, you know, take a bigger look at the big picture because here they look at it. And it's, uh, to me, it goes back to you, women are so, you know, they're not on it. They don't, they're weak. They're, they don't do give us a good show. But, you know, I don't know why not. I mean, if anybody looked at the final four this year. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We had a field day talking about that last week. Yeah. I, it's, I mean, I think, and, and I guess the people that were so upset with UConn not winning, they must be very happy now. So, so UConn have not won in two years straight now. <laughs> but they don't even know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's, and, and we need to increase coverage for women's sports so that people can see this it's great talent. talent you know? Yeah. And I think, too, that I, I, I do think in this past Olympics and all that, and with the emerging of a lot of women in color coming to the forefront, 
and women and things you have not seen, like in gymnastics and all of that. And just the fact that people are looking at that and saying, it used to be if somebody was like uh, Simone, that, oh, that's just too muscular. And, and that, they see now that that's what, you know, it's not too muscular. That's been athletic. You know? But when men are doing it, it's, oh, yeah, good, strong. That's what you, how you have to be. Why does it make a difference whether you're a man or woman? You want to, as I go back to, you want to see the best. You want the best to be there. In order for that to happen, we have to encourage our women to do that. And we have to insist that the press cover it differently. And, you know, and when women do something uh, and they don't say, and and we have to educate the announcers because some of the things they say about women in certain sports, it's like, and I mentioned this in my book. That's something I talk about in my book. So, Please go out there and buy that. (laughs) Tiger Bell, why don't we tell you a story? But I talk about that and how, you know, there's such a big difference. And I don't understand. you. When you're looking at sports, you want to see the best. You want to see who's doing. And if it's females that are better, that's all the best. That may, it lets you know what the world is all about. That's what the world is. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for taking the time and talking with us today. Oh, thanks for having me. And go get the book. Yes, please do.